0: What was it, 2020, when Tesla announced it had a Roadster in the works? And now Elon's come out again, reintroduced the Roadster, says it'll be available in 2025. And uh, so it's a second-gen Roadster 20 years later, basically. Uh, But it's kind of impressive. It looks like somewhere between a giant Miata and a... Electric Dodge Volt, and not Volt, Viper. Looks like a Viper. Uh, And here's the thing. Its estimated acceleration is utterly mind-boggling. I mean, we thought the insane mode (laughs) on your car was impressive. Zero to 60 in less than one second. That's like a jet fighter going to Afterburner. I mean... I don't even know if I want to be, uh, for my first thought was, I don't know if I want to be on the road, like on an on-ramp, near a car that's going zero to 60 in less than a second. On the other hand, I have to say, having screamed enough time over my steering wheel, Tesla drivers are universally the slowest drivers in the world. Hey, Scott, how
1: are you? I'm well. Good to see you, Mike.
0: Okay, well, we had an interesting week. I mean, we don't normally talk about music a lot on this show, even though you listen to a lot of music. I used to be a rock record critic. But uh, the music world is kind of in an uproar right now because Capital Music Group, we talked about this before, how they were starting to pull some of their artists off of TikTok. Well, now apparently... They're not only pulling all the artists off of TikTok, but if you use a song, if you're home playing your, you know, playing your Gibson hollow body and you're copying some Metallica or something, if the author of that music was in any is in any way connected with Universal, and that could, be, that, that could be, look at a modern song where you have ten writers, if any of them are connected with Universal they're going to take you off TikTok. This is a huge number. I mean, I, I was just looking at the results. TikTok, TikTok. estimates TikTok estimates only 20% to 30% of its content will be affected. But the reality is it's probably closer to 80%. Last year, the number of uh, TikTok videos containing music by upload was more than 80% which is more than YouTube, Instagram, and well put aside YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook combined. So this is pretty intense now. I mean, Universal is playing for keeps. And in, in taking off all music with any creator connected with Universal, takes off all those creators that also may be from Sony uh, or others or indies or other sources. So Universal is dragging the entire music me- music ownership industry into this battle with TikTok?
1: You know, I think this is actually more of a battle with AI. I think for a while, music companies that are struggling to get their product out there, after all, physical music hasn't sold much unless you're Beyonce or Taylor Swift in years, and they sort of relied on social media to get things out there and to pass the songs around and in the case of TikTok, even bring back songs that sort of come back for a second life. But now with AI able to copy a voice or copy music, I think these music companies are feeling even more threatened and understandably so. And they have to figure out how to protect their intellectual property in ways that they haven't had to worry about before. It's not just, oh, this thing popped up on YouTube or TikTok or wherever. Now they really have to protect the source code of it all. And so I think this is sort of a a shot against the bow Uh, to tell these um, companies like TikTok that spread it, hey, you've got to have the actual real music and the real song. And I think the the enemy here is not so much TikTok as uh, AI. And, And I just don't think much like when Napster came up and music business didn't really know what to do about it. I think AI represents another existential crisis
0: for the music business. Don't we like go back 120 years for another example of this? Like whoever owned the sheet music were perfectly willing to let people record the songs or play them at home. But then they began to try to realize that they were giving away the store. So they were trying to reel it in. We own own the rights to the music. We have the sheet music. If you want to record it, you got to pay us royalties.
1: Right. And that royalty balance has sort of been played out ever since, Um, you know, you'd see the scene of a movie on YouTube and you'd weigh is the IP that they're, let's put it for what it is, stealing worth getting our movie out there and maybe more people will see it. And that, I think, is what the music industry felt for the last few years on TikTok. Okay, yeah, people are ripping us off, but more people are seeing us and getting interested and, you know, making the music hot. And then people might go to a concert or buy some merchandise or even buy the album itself. Um, I just think with AI, it's not so much weighing that. It's weighing, hey, they're stealing from us. And yeah. even if that version of the song goes on TikTok, we're not getting any credit. We're not getting any of the the sort of benefit. And so I think it's it's a different kind of battle now.
0: Okay, so all the players are lining up and there's one group that Hasn't joined in yet, but looks like they're about to, too. The Wall Street Journal talked about how Gwen Stefani's new album or new song didn't go anywhere because no one was seeing it because it wasn't showing up on TikTok or, you know, 10 second clip or something. So she joined apparently with Blake Shelton, her husband, to go on Warner with him trying to figure out how to get her music out into the public space at the moment it's being introduced are we going to see the artists now joining into this battle as well i mean is this going to be all the way across the music industry trying to finally set standards on usage and ai and gathering content and all of that
1: yeah i mean for an artist whether you're as big as Gwen stefani or not having a record label behind you and in these days, a record label could actually be a giant media company that does so much more, including trying to get your music on social media, and including, in this case of what you just mentioned, uh, having legal representation to make sure you're not being ripped off by the machine. Uh, so I think it's it has been a good move, and it's what artists have wanted for a long time, that major label representation. It's just taking on a slightly different uh, a different, we're in a different era now. And so what the representation means is something else.
0: Well, how does this resolve itself? I mean, does TikTok turn into a wasteland that 80% of the content is gone next week? It's just people, you know, uh-huh. showing memes and not no music at all on TikTok?
1: I don't think so. I mean, there are ways to protect intellectual property, even with AI looming. I think it benefits both the musicians, their record labels, it benefits TikTok to solve this problem, because this is a mutually beneficial relationship. If I'm an artist in an era where physical music is all but dead as far as buying tapes or CDs or records or whatever, um, but I still need to get it out there, social media is a godsend, and TikTok is fantastic with these dances and, and everything like that. Um, And so you want your song to be on TikTok. You want it to be on a Netflix show. You want a documentary. You want all this stuff. You want it in a video game. Um, And it's going to be, hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But if AI comes in and makes a copy of this music and does it without anybody getting paid or any royalties changing hands, nobody wins. You know, TikTok doesn't want to touch that. The artist is feeling you know, screwed. And the record label doesn't make any money and people don't go to the concerts, So they do need to solve this problem, Uh, much like writers are suing OpenAI, the whole Sarah Silverman thing, saying, hey, this is our this is the way we pay the rent. And and I think music is going to get into that, too. And and I suspect you'll see another battle the likes of which we haven't seen since the whole Napster
0: thing. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one, because it the MT3 wars and downloads and all that. I mean, the feds were getting involved and it was a mess. Steve Jobs essentially steps in and kind of straightens everything else. It's straightening everything out. Right now, we seem to have another impact. But who is the Steve Jobs to come in and finally just sort of take the two combatants and tell them to stop? Here's a solution that solves it for both of you.
1: Good question because I think the way Jobs was ultimately able to do that, and it was a big software battle. You know, Napster was a software company. I think the way he was able to really win was with hardware. He introduced the iPod, and everybody had to have one. And at first, remember, you could only you know really do it on um, with with an Apple machine, and then eventually, you know, hell froze over, and you could do it with Windows and all that. And that was really important because. He said, "You know, this is sort of a karmic thing. You have to buy the music and own it in order to put it on your machine. Um, and and then, of course, streaming took over. And there's still some payments, not a lot, but you know, between the likes of Spotify and the artists. So I don't know who wins. I just wonder if the savior here is TikTok or maybe Spotify, because really, it's not Napster they're fighting against anymore, but just these machines that can scour the internet and steal." When Stefani's music and steal, you know, whoever is writing the songs, their words, and, and that's detrimental to everybody. So maybe the winners, or the you know, the savior, is a Daniel Eck or or you know, whoever is is running some of these social media machines that really do help the artists get yeah. their music out when um, you know people aren't listening to the radio as much and and again, not buying the actual physical product.
0: Well, it's certainly a better solution coming to some kind of resolution on that than the Napster model originally, which was people want, kids want their music. And if they have to, they'll steal it. Right. And then they get arrested and all hell breaks loose. If if we can find a peaceful legal solution, it seems to me that's best for everybody. Now the question is how long are the two big parties going to hold out? And, and stand by their positions before they finally sit down and get this thing. The Fed's going to have to come in like they do with uh, management uh, labor battles over the last 100 years? They may, or it
1: may be litigated in court, or the two sides may realize they kind of need each other. Uh, but the big target right now is AI, and that's what writers are worried about. It's what the movie industry is worried about. There was a huge strike. It's what all IP is worried about right now. And if you're an IP lawyer right now, uh, you know, it's sort of like being <laughs> a stock option person at a chip co- chip company. You're in, a, you're in a really good position when it comes to yeah, you're AI. Gonna,
0: you're going to make a lot of dough. Okay, yeah. next topic, Tesla. What was it, 2020 when Tesla announced it had a roadster in the works? And now Elon's come out again, reintroduced the roadster, says it'll be available in 2025. And uh, so it's a second-gen second Roadster 20 years later, basically. Uh, but it's kind of impressive. It looks like somewhere between a giant Miata and an electric Dodge Volt. And not Volt, Viper. Looks like a Viper. Uh, and here's the thing. It's estimated acceleration Is utterly mind-boggling. I mean, we thought the insane mode (laughs) on your car was impressive. Zero to 60 in less than one second. That's like a jet fighter going to Afterburner. I mean, I don't even know if I want to be... uh, For my first thought was, I don't know if I want to be on the road, like on an on-ramp near a car that's going zero to 60 in less than a second. On the other hand, I have to say, having screamed enough time over my steering wheel, Tesla drivers are universally the slowest drivers in the world. They may have cars that look like I feel like ICBMs tipped over on the side, or at least that capability. They're always the slowest guy in traffic. So maybe you know that one less than one second, zero to sixty just doesn't fit with the mentality of both of most Tesla drivers. But I dread the day when we see high school kids hurdling down a quarter mile in an eighth of a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I went to college in Los Angeles, which was sort of Beverly Hills adjacent, and you'd see a lot of young people in the Porsches and BMWs. Obviously, this is before Tesla and That's a dangerous combination and will always be a dangerous combination before you buy into the zero to 60 in less than a second. Just realize the source. It's not Motor Trend or Car and Driver. It's Elon Musk. And he has a relationship with numbers that is, you know, very distant cousins at this point. Uh, So who knows when we'll actually see this thing? Who knows how fast it'll go? But I mean, look, that first Roadster was a really key point in automotive history. Tesla didn't yeah. make the whole thing. They made the it took, battery it for
0: it. The Lotus, it took the Lotus and turned it into a right. really snazzy little fun car.
1: Right, I mean, I got to drive one a few times and to think like, wow, this is extremely sporty, it's extremely sexy, and it doesn't use gas. And that was really key uh, when people started to realize that. And now, of course, there are SUVs, sedans, even big trucks that don't use gas, and on and on. And so I've always said, the more EVs, the better. Uh, and this is sounds like it's going to be an extremely limited uh, thing, both because of well, production, but also cost, obviously.
0: $200,000. Yeah. <laughs> but another Elon claim is that it'll go 250 miles an hour. So right. you, well, you can get it for the same performance, one-fifth of the price of a Bugatti Veyron. Yeah,
1: I mean, right, whatever. I, I'm not going to worry about that because i won't be able to afford one whenever it comes out so you, don't have, you uh, don't have
0: your fifty thousand dollar check ready to put down on deposit for this thing
1: no right exactly um i've never bought a car that cost anywhere near that <laughs> <laughs> but um but look there are plenty of people right here where we sit in silicon valley that can and i hope they enjoy it and i hope they drive emission free and uh and again the more you see an suv or a truck or a sports car that can do it without gas. Uh, the more this whole EV thing becomes um, just part of the scenery, you know. Neighbors talk about it. Oh, mine works fine. Whatever, whatever you're 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 looking for. And so, you know, yeah. The well, cyber I've
0: the truck where and- I see four identical Teslas, just like you're driving in formation. And it's just a random encounter. But there's so many here in Silicon Valley that. You, you literally don't notice them anymore.
1: No, no. And, and here in Silicon Valley, you're required to be in formation. It's part of driving south for the winter. It's what we do.
0: So Yeah, yeah that's true. So anyway, um, Elon's promised it by 2025. Like all of his promises, you know, take them as you, as you will. But it seems to be he's finally got a goad behind him, which is China's auto, electric automobile company, BYD which just surpassed Tesla as the world's largest supplier of electric cars. Uh, and they have a new car called the U9. So if the if the new Tesla Roadster looks kind of like a Ferrari, the new uh, BYD U9, which is a coupe, looks like a Lamborghini. So we're almost having that historic 50s battle between The two Italian sports car companies repeating itself now between a super fast um, Tesla and BYD, which apparently this is equally as fast and is also, but it's $330,000. So it's going to be kind of a rich man's competition, I think. But in theoretically, it could bring the kind of technological innovation that we saw after World War II with piston powered sports cars in the grand Prix, circuit
1: right and i think that's part of the point is whatever you're into if you want a big car for your family you know whatever I i saw someone i know recently get one of those rivian suvs and i mean it's huge like you can put eight kids in camping gear and the soccer team and it's all electric and it's wonderful and uh You know the the thing about byd is they they sell a lot of cars obviously in china tesla is trying to sell in china it would be interesting if the byds of the world and the neos of the world could sell more cars here again competition is is good no matter what and uh the more evs in whatever configuration you're looking into or can afford
0: the better i've seen enough byd videos coming out of china on fire that I think they're going to have to deal with some safety issues before they they pass muster to get into the West. But that's a, that's an impressive looking car. And uh, I suspect we'll see both types of cars on the road here in the Valley within a year and a half or so. So, Hope so. get out of the way, Scott, they're coming past. <laughs> uh, okay. On the same topic, this week, Apple abandoned its electric car. Now, it, this always kind of stuck, struck me as a pipe dream. It's so far out of Apple's wheelhouse that, it, you know, we see companies like that that have so much money to burn. They decide to play around with it to see if they can enter into fundamentally new markets and give themselves a new direction, new revenue source. But most of the time, these things fail. And it sounds like they just realize if they had managed to get this car out five years ago, then they might have had something. But with, with orders kind of plateauing on electric cars to bring out, no matter how much of an Apple fanatic you are, would you buy an Apple car right now?
1: Yeah. The
0: thing about the Apple car,
1: and, and first, I was always amazed at the secrecy. We never saw any part of this thing.
0: Just and the I sound always, coming, out of a, coming behind a fence in Sunnyvale, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were sounds, right. I, I was at that building because, of course, people were hearing the sounds, so we had to go investigate the sounds. But it was that silly. And, I mean, we've seen more Sasquatches than, big, than you know, Apple cars. I mean, it just, yeah for whatever it was, it never really existed. We never saw it. At some point, if indeed there was ever going to be an Apple car, Someday in the future, we will see what this looked like and find out what it was meant to do. And I eagerly look forward to that because we got nothing on this thing ever. And that itself is kind of impressive. Um, But I always wondered if Apple just wasn't all that serious about the car. Um, I mean, remember, these rumors stretch back to the days when Johnny Ive was running the show design-wise. So, you know, the mind boggles at what this might have been. Oh, yeah,
0: no. For Apple to win this, it would have had to come out with... A radically and exciting new design on the order of the Macintosh or the smartphone. You know that's what we expect from Apple. It has to look revolutionary. It has to look unbelievably exciting, aesthetically, on right. top of a workable electric car. And I don't know if Apple can still do that.
1: I mean, you know, it, it, it comes up with cool designs. I mean. Vision Pro is a cool design. Even the watch, the way it's packaged, you know, there there is an Apple aesthetic. Uh, And so you sort of think about what that might have been with a car. But I never gave and, and I've covered Apple for, you know, 25 years. I never gave the car much thought because we just never got to see any part of it. And so therefore, it didn't exist. And ultimately, when you're a tech reporter, you're kind of a consumer reporter, you're telling people what's there. And is this affordable and are there more affordable versions of this? And so through all the car technology that we've seen and the EV revolution, Apple has been absolutely absent. And so I really don't give them credit for pushing this stuff stuff forward because we just never saw anything. And so they were never a car company to me because we never saw any part of them as a car Everywhere.
0: Yeah, but you know, if we do see the original drawings with a car and it's on the order of Raymond Loewy's design for like the Studebaker of Monty. you know, a master designer coming up with, <laughs> it's going to break my heart. Right. Okay. I mean,
1: all those people that, that used to work there, the Johnny Ives of the world that, I mean, they were, I guess they're so quiet about this, but they all know, I mean, if there was indeed a car, they know what it was supposed to look like and what it was supposed to do. And somehow we've not found anything out about it. So I remain skeptical, but, uh, you know, I'll always keep my eyes open because I'm super curious about what the plan was.
0: Okay. So that's your assignment as an investigative reporter. Get those photos, those yellowing photos. There you go. Biotech. Is biotech back? Now, I've seen two cycles of biotech where the VCs jump into it, then they realize it's not going to work or are too, too far ahead of time, or it's misguided, or the financials aren't right, and everybody stops investing in biotech. And i see this happen twice. The last one was about six, seven years ago. Nobody wanted to touch biotech. And now, they've had uh, the biotech industry has had six companies go public so far this year. They only had about, what, 20 in the last two years. So, uh, and some of them are, are hot. I mean, Verma Therapeutic, which is raising money for uh, anti-immune disease drugs, raised 350, $330 million in its recent IPO. And the VC industry has put $3.2 billion into tech startups just since January 1st. Is it finally going to happen? I mean, is, is the long-awaited boom in biotech? Here now? Are we gonna watch this for the next couple of years? Or are they gonna bail I again? Mean,
1: yeah, it's always worth watching biotech, Mike. I mean, biotech is always there. It's it's rarely the exciting thing, except you know, when you look at some of the stock prices during the pandemic of companies yep. like Moderna. Um, but it's always there and, and it's always exciting, it's always on the cusp of, of exciting cures and, and fighting diseases. Um, so I think we will see more. I know that in San Francisco. In addition to a lot of AI startups that that are getting some really good deals on uh, real estate right now, uh, biotech hubs are popping up as well. Biotech startups, um, so I'm always encouraged to see that because this is a way to fight off diseases and and things like that. Um, and so I think now that you're seeing a generation of people who made their money at places like um, you know Gilead and and Pfizer and uh, you know even in in they're just a number of Bay Area ones, not to mention all the ones out in, in Massachusetts. You're seeing them sort of say, "Ah, let's make the tools better, or let's do this drug pipeline," and and it's an interesting time. And and I think, like any other industry, um, you see that turnover of 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 generations of people, yeah. and now the young people are starting to make some money yeah. and start the some new things.
0: Will the kids who come, right. come up, they've, got the they've seen the business models, they've got some, they got some money in their pocket, they're ready to go.
1: Right. You just have to understand with biotech, things take longer because these things just take a long time. And and that's why VCs have to be patient, not to mention employees and their vesting and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, we could see more because a lot of the you know places now and places like San Francisco are cheap and they can come in there and hire a lot of people. And uh, it's exciting to see.
0: I've covered biotech a lot, including companies going all the way back to Maryland for the FDA hearing. And that's the scariest industry there is. You can spend hundreds of millions of dollars, spend years developing a product, make your presentation for FDA approval, and by one vote you can lose and everything goes away. Scary industry. We think tech is scary. Biotech. Man, you gotta have you gotta have nerves of steel to be in that industry. Okay, um, who's the hottest employer in Silicon Valley? want to guess i think you can guess right now
1: the hottest employer you mean by hiring
0: yeah who wants to where, where does everybody want to work right now
1: i would imagine nvidia maybe open ai
0: nvidia. nvidia nvidia all right hefty salary packages uh apparently yeah. your moment you're hired you're giving a lot giving a lot of responsibility which is Kind of unique because the company's moving so fast, they're not spending time getting apprenticing you or training you. You're you're taking on something big, and of course, stock options. It's so great that it's being compared to Facebook in 2014, as yeah. just absolute magnet for every young person that wants to be in a tech company.
1: And really, what do they do? They're a chip company. It's so funny how those thin those chip companies are now front and center. AMD all time high. Nvidia, $2 trillion market value, uh, super microcomputer, I think a year ago it was trading at something like $20, it hit 1000 earlier this year. It's amazing what the AI bump has given some of these chip companies. And yeah, Nvidia has always been one of the cooler ones. It starts from the top. All praise to Jensen Wong, that guy. Employees love him. The Valley loves him. VCs love him. Investors love him. Uh, you know, he's just running the show right now and i'll throw in uh, Lisa sue of amd just very very charismatic leaders who have waited until this thing blew up and were absolutely ready with what the ai world needs
0: i saw my first amd ai commercial the yeah. other day and it was sort of like hey we're here too we're <laughs> <in AI." laughs> everybody wants to be on that train okay wow. uh, real quick uh Thursday, the NASDAQ reached a record high for the first time in two years, uh, largely driven by the big t- tech stocks, especially NVIDIA. I mean, NVIDIA is going to be on our tongues for a while here. And finally, what's the what's the newest financial uh, technique in tech? Have you heard about this? The private IPO, which is current smaller shareholders – holding stock options mostly sell directly to larger bigger investors so they're 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 cashing out but it's done in a systematic way now this has been going on a long time years right. ago years ago somebody i knew approached me and said hey you want to buy my twitter stock this is when twitter was never going to make money at all of that and i couldn't of course cuz not in the business we're in. We're not buying and selling stocks. We cover, but it was interesting. I can't. It wasn't. He wasn't going to wait for the IPO. He wanted to sell privately to somebody who would pick up the stock privately and hold it for the IPO. And apparently, this is becoming much more of a common thing. Uh, it suggests you know the Valley's always coming up with interesting new financial models on how to. How to make stuff happen. And we've seen weird organizations of stocks and you know companies going public that aren't really companies, but ideas of investing in companies. Now we seem to have kind of private exchanges going. Yeah,
1: you know, this sort of secondary market has existed for a while, and it benefits both sides for the employees who have these options. They can unlock some of them, especially if a company like, remember how long Uber stayed private and how long SpaceX has still stayed private. But they've opened that door through these companies to say you can sell some of your shares. So the employee benefits and feels good about it. Also, if those shares are priced, it gives a company a way to value itself. I think that's how SpaceX did it recently. If its shares are worth, I don't know, $80 a pop, we can say we're a $70 billion company because that's what each share is valued at. And so both sides sort of get to gauge and make a little money. And, uh, you know, I wonder if it's also a way to keep some of those employees from fleeing and just saying, look, I've got a ton of stock. I'll go somewhere else while this vests, but I'm not going to be frustrated sitting here while you stay private. Instead, it's like, hey, you can unlock some of that wealth while still working here and kind of everybody wins.
0: Because now they do it. Well, they can't go to Silicon Valley Bank anymore and say, I own this many shares because. Right. Boys used to borrow off their options to go buy that, you know, Ferrari. Now they'll they'll be able to actually get cash out. How long do you think it'll take before the government get, steps in on these and starts regulating these private exchanges?
1: Uh, it's it's got to be being done already. Uh, you know, this is not Bitcoin here. This is not untraceable. This is capital gains, stock yeah. trades. And so it's profit. It's regulated. It's taxed. Um, I've already heard from a couple of banks here in Silicon Valley that are kind of startup banks, and they want to have the relationships with these investors and VCs that Silicon Valley Bank did. And so even that's making a comeback.
0: Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, I wonder how much stuff's going to go under under the table since it's not really being that closely that watched. Be watched. So, I doubt anyway. that
1: much of that will go under the table. It's probably pretty closely watched.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's it for now, folks. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course, YouTube. You can see Scott on Facebook and X. And of course, almost every weeknight on NBC Bay Area. He's probably running off to the studio right now. And me occasionally, almost everywhere in the world on the BBC radio show Business Matters. Have a great weekend. We're going to take a little break and we'll see you in three weeks. So uh, have a great weekend and bye-bye.